Liquid Church. How y'all doing today? My name is Nithin, and I'm one of the pastors here. Will you join me in welcoming our campuses and those watching online right now? So great to have you here. And we are in the midst of a series called At the Movies. This is probably one of my favorite movies, one of the highlights of the year for me. And really, I loved what Pastor Tim said last week, that film is kind of like the stained glass of our culture. If you want to know what's going on in culture, you can watch a film, and if you take the time to reflect on the spiritual themes in it, you can really find some things that can really feed your soul and nourish you. And so we've been doing that for the past couple of weeks. We kicked off the series with Breakthrough, where we talked about the power of God, uh, the power to heal, why God sometimes doesn't heal in our world. And then last week we did one of my favorite movies, which was Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, who's with me, right, right? I started greeting everyone like that, and my mailman looks at me funny now. I'm like, I don't... Sorry, dude, you know, forever. But, you know, we looked at how the gospel confronted issues of race and power. We saw how there were echoes of the gospel message all throughout the movie. And then I want to give you a heads up for next week, just so you know the next movie that's coming. And we are going to be looking at A Star is Born. Pastor Tim will be back here. He'll be preaching on A Star is Born, tackling the issues of addiction. So if you have a friend that you know loves this movie, I would encourage you to invite them out. It's going to be a powerful time. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. Great message. So please please, please make sure you uh, have someone that you're going to bring with you next week. But today we're going to kind of change the channel a little bit, and we are going to look at Toy Story 4. Now, who's seen Toy Story 4 already? Any of you? Wow, quite a few of you have. How about, have you seen any of the Toy Story movies? Any of you? Awesome. So most of you have. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say that you've got a friend in me. <laughs> well, listen, Toy Story... Uh, you know, it's a kid's film. Uh, it's kind of targeted towards that demographic, but I don't want you to check out. I don't want you to just think it's a kid's film. There's nothing in here for me. Rather, I want you to do the opposite. I want you to actually lean in because God has a message for you in this movie. There's something here for everybody. If you lean in and listen, the Spirit of God is speaking. And I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you, all right? Awesome. So let's dive in. You know, Toy Story, uh, the first movie was the first animated CGI film of its kind. There had been nothing like it. And even though, you know, it's a kid's film, this movie is no joke. All of the films in the franchise so far have grossed over $2.9 billion. Toy Story 4 alone has made $4 billion. 
Not only that, uh, it's been nominated, the different movies, for several awards. One was nominated for best, uh, I think, best film at one point. It's won Golden Globe Awards. And not only that, it has spawned comic books and video games and TV shows, even an entire theme park. You know, uh, my family, we went on vacation a couple of uh, weeks ago. We actually went to Disney World, and we actually got to go to Toy Story Land. And it's amazing because Disney has this ability to kind of take their movies and kind of make them come to life. It's incredible. You literally felt like you were in the world of Toy Story. You were the size of the toys and everything. And it was fun because my son actually got to meet uh, Sheriff Woody and Bo Peep. It was really cute. We were like, all right, you get to meet your heroes. And then, of course, I got to meet my hero, which is the one and only Buzz Lightyear, right? To infinity and... Beyond! Yes, and we were beyond joyful to be able to be there. And we had a great time when we watched the movie. In fact, when we went into the theaters to watch Toy Story, it was uh, myself, my wife, and my two kids. We looked around and we're like, where are all the kids? Uh, there were mostly adults watching Toy Story. And I think that's the beauty of this film, is it really has the way, a capacity to touch several generations all at once. These are the people that are watching these movies. When the movies first came out, parents took their kids. And now those kids have grown up, and now they're taking their kids to see Toy Story. So literally three generations are all being influenced and impacted by this film. It really is a cultural phenomenon. But if you haven't seen the Toy Story movies in a while, or maybe you've never seen them, let me show you the trailer to Toy Toy Story 4, just to give you a taste of what this movie's like. Check this out. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Ah. <gasps> He's a spool. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. <gasps> Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Why am I alive? You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? Oh, yeah. Oh. Come on. Bo? Bo? Hi there. My name is Gabby Gabby. We can't stay. <laughs> yes, you can. Boys. Ah! <laughs> Woody, behind you! Bo! What are you doing here? No time to explain. Come with me. We need to get back to our kid. Aw, Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue. Bonnie needs Forky. Woody, who needs a kid's room when you can have all of this? Wow. Woody, aren't we going to Bonnie? What do we do, Buzz? What would Woody do? Jump out of a moving vehicle. Let's go! Yeah. If you gotta go, you gotta go. If you should ever leave me. You know, you've handled this lost toy life better than I could. Open your eyes, Woody. There's plenty of kids out there. Sometimes change can be good. You can't teach this old toy new tricks. You'd be surprised. Bonnie? We're going home for you. God only knows. Bonnie, I'm coming! Kids lose their toys every day. I was made to help a child. I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. 
What was fun about this movie is there was something in it for everybody. So my kids loved the animation. They loved, you know, how funny the, the, the characters were. But my wife and I were really having an amazing time just kind of talking about these deep, deep themes that were being tackled by this, by this movie, by this kid's movie, right? Themes such as love and loss and grieving, uh, family, friendship, moving on. And so these are all some pretty adult themes that this movie is actually going after. If you haven't seen any of the Toy Story movies, the movies are about a group of toys that were owned by this little boy named Andy. And the first three movies are about Andy and the toys and how they interact with one another. In the third movie, we see a transition. Andy has grown up and he's going off to college and he actually hands off all of his toys to a little girl named Bonnie. And so now Bonnie has all of Andy's toys plus her own. And so now Andy's toys are trying to figure out their place in kind of Bonnie's world, how they all fit in. And so we see this uh, collection of old characters, classic characters, plus some new ones. For instance, we've got classic characters like Sheriff Woody. Any Sheriff Woody fans in the house right now? All right, yeah, you know, he is a classic. He was Andy's favorite toy. He's the leader of the toys of Andy's uh, room. And in fact, he's played by Tom Hanks, one of my favorite actors. Or how about Buzz Lightyear? Any Buzz Lightyear fans? All right, yeah, Buzz Lightyear. He's a space ranger. And Buzz is played by Tim Allen. He was started out as Woody's rival, but now they're actually really good friends. And also, we've got some new characters. One who this entire film is based around, and that is Forky. Now, Forky is a spork. And a spork is when a fork and a spoon love each other very much. <laughs> they come together, and then nine months later, you get a spork. That's, that's a spork right there. And uh, he is actually a, uh, a, a craft that Bonnie makes in kindergarten. But something unique happens to this craft that we have not yet seen in the Toy Story universe yet. Check this out. Okay, class, craft time. Hello, I'm Forky. We got this kindergarten thing under control, eh? I can't believe I'm talking to a spork. <laughs> so in this scene, we just watched Bonnie take a, a spork and some pipe cleaner and some uh, a popsicle stick and what looks like gum, and she fashions it into this handcrafted creation that uh, she calls Forky. And she takes these just regular elements, just stuff from the trash, and, and she loves life into this little being. And I remember watching this thinking, this, this reminds me of something from the scriptures, actually our origin story as humanity. In fact, in Genesis 2-7, it puts it this way. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, what the Bible teaches us is that God took the ordinary stuff of dust, but he does something extraordinary. He goes, <laughs> he breathes into it emotion. He breathes into it intellect. He, he breathes into it animation, soul, spirit. And that's how we come. You see, Bonnie in some ways echoes the fact that we have a creator. Forky's creator is Bonnie. Our creator is God, and he's created us for a reason. But for Forky, this puts him in a little bit of an existential crisis because, you see, Forky's existence was 
trash. He's garbage. That's how he sees himself. But all of a sudden, everything has changed. And throughout the movie, Sheriff Woody's trying to help him see you're not trash. You're actually more than that. You're extraordinary. And it has Forky asking this question, which is actually a very human question, which is this. Who am I? And why am I here? Who am I? And why am I here? And I know for some of you, you're already kind of thinking, dude, this is the kind of question that philosophy majors are always asking because they're out of work, because no one will hire them. They're smoking their cigars and drinking their craft beer. I was a philosophy major, so I can say that. Say that. <laughs> but here's the reality. If you put these two questions in Google, 1.3 billion websites will come up to try to answer this question. And sociologists tell us that once you figure out where you're getting your food from, shelter, clothing, protection, these are the questions that as human beings we start to gravitate towards, we start to try to ask. Who are we? Why are we here? What's our purpose in the universe? In fact, CNN had an article where they cited two sources of research that shows that even asking these questions and reflecting on them can actually be beneficial for our lives. It actually increases our longevity. In fact, David Allen, who wrote the article, writes this. He says, the connection to longevity could be causal. Having purpose may help one cope with daily stress, as other research has shown, but could also be that those who think about life's meaning are more likely to do other activities that promote good health. See, for Christians, for Christ followers, here's kind of uh, the, the idea around this. Who has to come before why? When you know the who, you'll know the why. When you know who you are and why, what comes after that is the why you were created. That's what we need to understand our identity in Christ because once you know the who, you'll know the why, and once you know the why, you can overcome the what. When you know the why of your existence, you can overcome the what, whether it's a diagnosis of cancer. You can overcome the, 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 the event of a, of a spouse leaving you and wanting a divorce. You can overcome the heartbreak when you know the why. You can also overcome the downsizing of a company when you lose a job because you know that you know your who, you know who you are, you know why you exist, and you can start to put all the rest of life's uh, incidents in a framework that makes sense of it, that helps you see what God is doing in the midst of all of it. In fact, that's why we have the Bible. That's why Scripture exists. In many ways, Scripture is there to help us understand and answer these two questions, who we are and why we exist. That's why today I want to look at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is all about answering these two questions. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 all answer the question of who we are. And the last three chapters ask, answer the question of why we exist, why we are on this earth, and, and how do we live that out. And so today I want to look specifically at chapter 2. I want to walk us through that. Uh, starting at verse 4, it kind of sets up first the very nature of God in order for us to understand who we are. And it says this in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Transgressions is another word for sin. And it is by grace you've been saved. Now, there's a lot that's packed in to this little verse. First off, it says that God's very nature is love. Because of his great love for you, he actually created us. And it also says that he is rich in mercy. Now, what do we mean by rich in mercy? Well, mercy is this idea of having compassion for someone that can't pull themselves out of their own situation. God was rich in mercy for you because the scripture says that you were dead in your sin. 
Sin is this cosmic force that literally has invaded our created order. It has invaded the universe. And if you look at any kind of societal evil or personal evil, if you get to the source of it, the source is sin. Whether it's mass shootings, whether it's struggles with suicidal thoughts, if you get down to the depths of it, sin is at the center of it. And when you get to that, you realize that sin has saturated and it has soaked everything. Everything is covered in sin. In fact, sin pulls you into participation with it. That's how evil and deceptive it is. And so God sees how sin has led to so much brokenness and so much dysfunction and destruction in our world. And so his response is he needs to remove it from creation. He needs to eradicate it. And the only way he can eradicate it is through judgment. But the bad news is because we are soaked and saturated in sin, we are also objects of that judgment. But remember, God, because of his great love for us, because of his being rich in mercy, says, no, 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 I don't want to destroy you. I'm going to send you my son. I'm going to send you my son who is sinless, who is perfect, who is the only faithful one in the midst of our faithlessness. He will come into your world. He will come into your reality. He will live in perfect, perfect righteousness. And when he does that, he will actually take on all of the sin upon himself. He will become the object of judgment that you deserve. He will take on all of that onto himself. He, the one who is no, had no sin, became sin for the rest of the world. And Jesus received the judgment that really belongs to us so that we could actually be reconnected to our creator. Amen? Not only that, he, he created this now new continuity where we have eternal life, where this world now flows into the next world. This is part of our new identity in Christ, that we are no longer dead, but we are alive, that we now have a future when there was no future. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we give God a praise for his salvation, for working it out? And if you're here today and you've never had an opportunity to be reunited with your creator, to have a relationship with him, by the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity and an invitation to begin a relationship with Jesus so you can really live into the purpose that he has created you for. In fact, in this movie, Toy Story 4, we see echoes of the gospel threaded throughout this movie. You know, in the movie, all the toys are going on this road trip before Bonnie goes off to kindergarten. And as they're going on this road trip, uh, Forky is trying to get back to the trash. He's like, I am trash. And he's trying to get back to it. And so there's this one scene, you probably saw this in the trailer, where he jumps out of a moving RV. And so what does Woody do? Woody jumps after him. And, you know, they, you know in the midst of that, they're having a conversation. Woody's trying to convince him, you're not trash, you're more than that. And as they do that, they end up in an antique store where they meet Gabby Gabby. Gabby is the villain of the story. You know, uh, it's interesting, in all of the Toy Story films, there's another biblical thread of good versus evil. And when you look at Gabby's story, it's actually quite tragic. In fact, there is a redemptive uh, uh, arc in her story, which you can watch it and see in the movie. But in the meantime, Gabby's backstory is that she was born defective. She was born broken in the factory. She was in the store. A child bought her, but she returned her. And you see, for Gabby, Gabby, and all the toys, they are made to be loved by another human being, by another child. And when a child does not love them, it's heartbreaking. And so Gabby feels like she, she, she wishes she was whole again. You see, she has this broken voice box. And the voice box is a thing, you know, if you have a, a doll, you pull the string, and then it talks. It's that piece that talks. And for her, it was broken. And she feels like, if I only could get this fixed, then... I can be loved. Then I can be accepted. Then I can fulfill my purpose, which is to be loved by a child. 
And so when Sheriff Woody and Forky come into the antique store and she looks and she sees that Woody also has a voice box similar to hers, she sees an opportunity. Check out this scene. Uh, hey, howdy. Hey there. Uh, sorry to bother you, but... Why, you're not a bother at all. We were just out for my early morning stroll. And look, <laughs> we met you. My name is Gabby Gabby, and this is my very good friend, Vincent. Oh, uh, Woody, pleasure to meet you. Well, it's nice to meet you, Woody. And you are... This is Forky. I'm trash. Uh, our, our, our kid made him. Kid? Toys around here don't have kids. Are you two lost? Lost? <laughs> no, no, but we are looking for a lost toy. She's a figurine, used to be in that lamp in the window. Name's Bo Peep. Bo Peep? Oh, yes, I know Bo. You do? Hop on in. We'll take you to her. Oh, well, you don't have to do that. <laughs> well, okay. Vincent, be careful with our new friends. It's interesting because Gabby and Forky have this thing in common. They both see themselves as trash. For Forky, it's like how he sees himself made. For Gabby, it's like I'm broken and now I, I am trash. And so what she does is she captures Woody and Forky and then Woody escapes and then she keeps Forky. And she holds Forky as, as a ransom. She goes, I I'm not going to let him go, Woody, until you give me your voice box. So let me ask you this. What do you think Sheriff Woody does? Woody gives his voice box to Gabby. He pays her ransom so that Forky could be reunited with Bonnie. This is very, very exactly what Jesus has done for us. Jesus saw that we are separated from our Creator because of sin and that there's a ransom for our lives. So Jesus pays the ransom with his very own life so that we can be reunited with our Creator. That is the good news of the Gospel. We are once dead by the power of sin, but he has made us alive by the power of Christ. I look at Woody, and Sheriff Woody knows his purpose. It's to love kids and do whatever it takes to protect and serve and care for Forky so that Forky and Bonnie can be reunited. In the same way, Jesus does the same for us. He saves us and he protects us so that we can have reunification with our Heavenly Father so we can know eternal life. That's his purpose. But it's not just to make us alive again through salvation. God has so much more for us than just that. Check this out. It says this in verse 6. It says, God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his what, church? Kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, God didn't just save you so you could survive. He saved you so you could thrive in this world. Amen? Not only to thrive, but he says, I want to show up in your life and show off. I want to show off my beauty. I want to show off my glory. I want to show off my power so that everyone around you knows how good that I am, how I am with you. Can we give God a praise for a God that wants to show up in your life and show off? He wants to say to you and make sure that you know this, that you are no longer trash, but you are his treasure. No, you are no longer trash, but you are actually a king and a queen. You are seated in righteousness. You're seated with Christ. You are his cherished possession. But it's not because of you. It's not because of how awesome you are. Because let's be honest, we all know we're not that awesome. But God is. This is what he says to us. It says this, for it is by grace you have been saved. Say that word grace with me. Grace. grace. It's all him and not us. 
You've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the what? It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, our handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, in this passage, I want to show you two reasons why God created you. Now, there's more than two. And some are more specific than others, but I want to show you two very powerful reasons why God puts you on planet Earth. And the first is this, is God created you to receive his love. You were created to be divine receptacles of the love of God. In fact, we see this interesting turn that's happening in the life of Forky in this movie because because of Bonnie's love for him, he has been transformed from trash into something else. In fact, but it's a tension for Forky. But I want to show you in this clip how kind of Forky sees himself and how he introduces himself to the toys. Check this out. Trash? No, no. Toys. They're all toys. Trash. No, no, no. That's the trash. These are your friends. Hello. Trash. No, no, it's okay. Trash. Woody, I have a question. Um, well, actually, not just one. I have all of them. Trash. I have all the questions. Uh, why does he want to go to the trash? Because he was made from trash. trash. Look, I know this is a little strange, but you got to trust me on this. Trash. Forky is the trash. most important toy trash. to Bonnie right now. <laughs> You know, throughout this movie, you know, Forky is trying to go back to the trash. He wants to go back to the garbage because that's how he sees himself and that's how everyone has always saw him. In fact, this is how he sees himself. This is an incredible quote. He says this. He says, I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. And so that is how he sees himself. But the, here's the thing. Forky is no longer trash. He's now Bonnie's treasure. He belongs to Bonnie. He, Bonnie, because she loves him, he now has value and he has dignity. He is something more than just garbage. He's something more than trash. But he doesn't see himself that. He just sees himself as trash. That's his identity. But here's the thing for Forky. For him, being trash is comfortable. He even says, he goes, you know, I love trash. It's warm. It's cozy. It's kind of squishy. Because for him, it's what's comfortable. It's what's easy. Because being something different, embracing this new identity of being a toy, changes everything for him. And I, I can't help but think that that's very similar to us. See, we would rather stay in our dysfunction because it's familiar to us and it's easy, rather than move into our new identity and how God sees us. Because it's harder to see ourselves that way. Like, for instance, culture gives us scripts all the time of how we should see ourselves and how we should live. And it's sometimes easier to stay in those grooves rather than to cut new pathways and move in a different direction. And maybe for many of us, we've kind of accepted those labels and received them wholeheartedly. See, for some of you, the world has told you that you are your diagnosis. You are ADD. You are um, depressed. You are anxious. That's who you are. But God doesn't see you that way. God says, this is my precious son, and that's my precious daughter. They are not defined by their diagnosis. Amen? Amen. But not only that, the world may say, the world may say that you are defined by your addiction. You once an addict, always an addict. But God says, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
right? The, the old is gone, the new has come. I have made all things new, including you. The world may put a label on you that says you're a failure. Everything you touch falls apart. But Jesus says, no, no, you are an overcomer. You have overcome this world by the power of the blood of the lamb and by the power of my spirit. That's how God sees you, amen? Can we give God a praise and remember that that's who we are? We need to take off the labels and embrace the new ones. Because Paul is inviting us to see ourselves in this new way. Paul says this, he says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Basically, he's saying this, I have made you alive. This is your reality. You are no longer trash. You are now God's treasure. In fact, why don't we all say this together? I am not trash. I am God's treasure. I am not trash. I am God's treasure. Some of y'all need to say it till you believe it, amen? amen? Some of you gotta say it until it gets down deep in your soul and in your bones and you live out of it. Because the reality is we live in a world that wants to keep us grounded in the lies that we are far less than how God sees us. I was talking to one of our campus pastors and he was meeting a woman and one of the things that she said to him in their meeting was she had just gotten out of an abusive relationship well, actually, she had gotten out of the relationship several years ago, but yet it still felt so fresh. It was like yesterday. And she was weeping and kind of telling him all the things that her ex had said to her and the things that he had done. And he's telling me it was unfathomable. And for years, since coming out of that relationship, she's tried to move forward with her life and move forward in relationships, but she has not been able to. Because you see, something happens to our psyche when we are trying to gain someone's approval, someone who we love, but when they abuse us, it does more than just emotional damage, it does soul damage. It does damage to our self-concept and our esteem and our self-image. And she was in this place where every time she looked in the mirror, she just saw trash. She was treated like trash, told she was trash, so why wouldn't she be trash? And I remember my friend was telling me, she was stuck in this lie. She was reading from this script that God never intended her to have. And when we have that script, we got to rip it up. And we got to take on a new script. God has a new script for you. He says, I'm the resurrection. I can give you life. And when you see yourself as damaged, know that I can bring you resurrection. I can bring you healing. I can bring you hope. I can take the broken things and make them fixed again. That's the message of the gospel. That's what God brings to us. There is no trash. He doesn't make accidents. Everything he makes has a purpose. And we need to live into that purpose. We're made to receive God's love and to reciprocate it. You need, in, the, in the movie, in all the movies, the toys and the kids reciprocate love. The toys love the kids. The kids love the toys. It's like this reciprocal relationship. So what does it look like for you and I to reciprocate the love of God. We receive his love, but then we also release his love to others. We have this opportunity to share that love with the world and the people that we encounter. This is exactly what we see in this next clip. Woody and Forky are kind of walking. Again, Sheriff Woody is trying to encourage Forky to see himself as he really is, as his treasured possession, but also Woody is kind of struggling with his own purpose. He's wrestling with what he's supposed to be doing now that he's no longer Andy's t toy and now that he's Bonnie's toy. Check this out. Why do I have to be a toy? Because you have Bonnie's name written on the bottom of your sticks. 
Why do I have Bonnie's name written on the bottom of my sticks? Because she... Look, she plays with you all the time, right? Uh, yes. And who does she sleep with every night? The big, white, fluffy thing? No, not her pillow. You. Uh. All right, Forky, you have to understand how lucky you are right now. You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? Oh, yeah. I was made to help a child. I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when we talk about our meaning and our purpose, it's not just for ourselves. We're actually blessed. We are given gifts and talents and abilities for the sake of other people, to use them for others. I love how Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that. It says this, for we are God's handiwork. Some translations say workmanship, but one of my favorites is work of art. You are God's work of art created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. See, God made you to do good for others. He made you to do good works, to take all of the skills and the abilities and the talents and the experiences that you have and to leverage them for the sake of others, to release them so that others can experience that kind of life. They can experience flourishing. They can experience joy because of what you have to give them. And that's exactly what Sheriff Woody exists to do. You know, if you've watched the Toy Story movies, you know that Sheriff Woody has invested his entire life to care for Andy. You know, he spent years investing in Andy, and then all of a sudden Andy grew up and went off to college. And then the toys are handed off to Bonnie. And now that Woody's in Bonnie's playroom, things are a little bit different. Before, he went from being the favorite toy to Bonnie doesn't really play with him that much. He's like, I don't really need him. I can just do my own thing and play with other toys. And so Woody's having this crisis because both of his kids don't seem to need him anymore the way they used to. Andy's grown up and moved on. Bonnie's doing some other things and exploring other areas. And so he's wondering, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? And without spoiling the movie for you, here's what you need to know. Woody discovers that his purpose is always to help kids. But it's going to be expressed differently in this new season of life, in this new time. Can I ask an honest question? How many of you parents are experiencing this right now? your kids, transitioning into middle school, high school, college, and beyond. Or as a, a mom or a dad, you spend 18 of your years investing in this kid, everything from like, you know, changing diapers to, to helping them, you know, put boundaries on their phones, and, and all of a sudden, they've graduated and they've gone off to college, or they've finished college, and they're married, and they're having kids of their own, they're, they're having a life, and you're kind of wondering, what do I do now? What's, what's my purpose? How do, I, how do I invest myself in this next phase? And, and if that's where you are right now, I just want to encourage you. God's not done with you. He still has a purpose for you. But it's going to look different in this season. It's going to be expressed differently. It kind of reminds me of um, a buddy of mine from my last church. His name was Mike. 
And uh, Mike, um, really, when I first met him, was really had a lot of energy, a lot of passion. He loved to pray. He was a prayer warrior. And uh, he wanted to serve. And so I met with him for coffee. And, you know, we were just getting to know each other. And um, Mike had two very unique uh, features about him. The first was he said, he, I asked him, like, you know, do you, is there anywhere you want to serve specifically? He's like, listen, Pastor Nathan, I will do anything. I just love to serve. But I do have one request. Are there any openings to serve as a small group leader for middle school boys? So I'm thinking, this guy's asking to serve middle school boys. Okay, um, first off, that is very unique in and of itself. Because if you know middle school boys, they're in that weird space, right? Where they're not kids anymore, but they're not like adults either, and they always smell, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, middle school boys, but you know it's true. But you know, so they're in this weird spot, and so he's actually asking, going, hey, I would love to serve with the middle school boys. And I'm like, Okay, that's cool. But the second unique thing about Mike is Mike was in his early 80s. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit like, listen, Mike, I, I got to level with you. I'm, I'm sorry. But, you know, how's this going to work? I mean, you're in your, your early 80s. They're like, you know, you know, 12 years old, 13, 14. Like, how do you see you connecting? And he said to me, listen, Nathan, I get it. You know, my kids have grown up and gone, but I really have a heart for this age group. I feel like this is really where a lot of important decisions are made. And, you know, I don't get the social media or the phones or the pop culture references, but when I really get to their hearts, I tell you, I can make a connection with them. And so I was like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, I was a little nervous. I'm like, do we need to have a defibrillator nearby? Like, what could happen? And I'm like, I'm just being honest. My thoughts aren't always holy. So, so, maybe too honest. So anyway, so I said, let's try this for a year and let's see what happens. And so for one year, Mike, in his early 80s, has a group of about eight or nine middle school boys, sixth and seventh grade. And I'll be honest, it was a raving success. I couldn't believe it. I would ask the guys, so guys, what, what do you think of Mike? They're like, oh, we love him. We love coming to small group. He's like our grandfather. And so, you know, but it's cool because some of these kids didn't have or know their grandfather. And so for Mike, he had the ability to fill that unique role. And so when they would finally put their phones down or stop talking about, you know, I don't know, um, video games or whatever, Mike would actually share with them. He, they'd say to me, yeah, he would always have a story about his life. And he'd always bring it back to Jesus. He'd always talk about God. I felt like I learned stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. But you know, there was an unintended consequence I didn't even realize about having Mike as their small group leader. The parents connected with him too. See, these parents had never had some of their kids go through middle school before, and they were terrified. They're like, my sweet little boy is transforming into a monster. What do I do? You know? Or, you know, he's making bad decisions. What's going to happen? And you know what Mike would do? He'd come, you know, to this mom or this dad, and he'd look him in the eye and he'd whisper, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. You keep parenting them. We'll keep praying for them. We'll keep speaking truth. We'll keep speaking life into them. And that trust that God is at work. God loves your middle schooler more than you do. And Mike could say that in a way that I couldn't because Mike had parented middle schoolers. And he had been investing in middle schoolers all throughout his life. You see, there's something powerful. When you know your God-given purpose, it gives meaning in every season of your life. 
Mike knew that he was made to invest in the next generation. It didn't matter if he was in his 20s or if he was in his 80s. He did it. And in the same way, that's what God's called us to do. By the way, can I just talk to our senior saints right now? We need you more now in the history of the church more than ever. I'll even be a little bit more personal. I need you now more than ever. As a young dad, to invest in my kids, to tell me that it's going to be okay, to encourage and to pray. You see, we live in a time where it seems like in the church we are lacking wisdom. We need your wisdom. We, don't, we want you to stay connected. Don't check out. We need you now more than ever. Because you know what my kids are being told on a regular basis, both directly and indirectly? They're being told that they're trash, that they're worthless, that there's something wrong with them. But now more than ever, they need you to be part of the family of faith, of the moms and the dads and the uncles and the aunts and the grandmas and the grandpas that can keep telling my kids over and over and over again, you are not trash, you are treasure. You are not trash, you are treasure. So that when they ask the same question that Forky's asking, who am I and why am I here? They will have this ingrained in their hearts and in their spiritual DNA that they are children, sons and daughters of the living God. And why are they here? To release their love through their gifts and their talents and their compassion to the rest of the world. See, when you know whose you are and who you are, you'll know the why. When you know who God has made you to be, you know why he's put you on this planet. And you'll remember that you are no longer trash, but you are God's treasure. For some of you, you might need to write this down until you believe it. You might need to pray this out over and over again until you believe it, that you are not trash, you are God's treasure. I get the sense of some of you right now, you are feeling that you are trash. You've made bad decisions. You've messed up and you think there's no way that they can get fixed again. But I want to remind you how God sees you. Not how culture sees you, your family sees you, your friends see you. God sees you as his treasure. And he always offers forgiveness. He always offers grace. He says, I'll give you a second chance, a third chance, and a fourth chance. I will heal the divides. I will heal the brokenness. I will heal the division. Because that is my nature. That's who I am. And maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the full forgiveness of God. Maybe you don't have certainty that when this life ends, you will transition to the life to come. And I want to encourage you that you can know for sure today. We can say today that you are part of God's family. You can be reconnected to your creator. So here's what I'd like to do across all of our campuses. Those of you are watching online right now, would you bow your heads with me? And I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you want to begin that relationship with Christ, we should pray this prayer out loud. In fact, I'd like to ask all of us all across our campus to all pray this together out loud. Just repeat these words after me so we don't feel alone. And what I want to do is give you words to articulate what's happening in your spirit right now. So just repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are my creator and you've created me with purpose to receive your love and release it to others. I confess I am not trash. I am your treasure. 
Connect me to your spirit. Connect me to my creator. From this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.